Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence in this place today. God, I just ask that as we move into this next phase of the service, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, that our hearts would be fertile soil for, for your seed, uh, your word to be planted into our hearts, that it would take root and grow, and it would produce in us 30, 60, and even 100-fold. Lord, I praise you, and I thank you for that, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You can be seated. And... I do want to make one announcement that wasn't on the screen. Um, there is no youth tonight. Uh, no youth tonight. As <clears throat> as you can tell, spring break is in full effect. Uh, so no youth tonight. And we're going to continue talking through and working through um, our, our series. Today we're going to talk about the shield of faith. Uh, I, I hope that... You guys have been uh, growing and learning from all of this and our shield of faith and what that looks like. Um, how, many of you, how many of you have learned something in the last few weeks? Just let me see your hands. Yeah, awesome. Okay. And that you're at least applying that, right, and thinking about thinking through what that looks like in your life. We're going to continue today in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Ephesians 6, verse 16. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says this. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith uh, with which you can extinguish the, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He says, take up the shield of faith. Now, if you remember the belt of truth, right, in the Roman soldier, the belt of truth, on it was a clip, right? And on that clip is where they rested their shield, and so when Paul says, pick up your shield of faith, or take up your shield of faith, where are they grabbing it from? The belt, right? It's attached to the belt. And so what that tells us is this, that our faith is fully dependent upon the written word of God. That it rests on the written word of God. It rests on, in the Greek, the logos, L-O-G-O-S. Your faith rests on the written word of God. That's where it take, he says, take it up. That's where you're grabbing it from. And when he says take it up, literally in the Greek, it means to pick up and to raise up. To, to grab it, unhook it, grab it, raise it up. Right? So you grow your faith. Your faith grows. It moves upwards. Your faith should never just rest on your belt, right? We never just rest our faith. We grab it and we use our faith. We use it. Now, I pointed out every week that... It, each piece, each piece of the Roman soldier's armament has an offensive, offensive point to it, right? The faith is really the only one that is not overly offensive. Your, their, sandals, their sandals of peace, right? The sandals could be used as offensive weapons. The breastplate was an offensive weapon. That all, everything on them is an offensive weapon until we get to the shield of faith. And then suddenly something shifts. Something changes. The question is, though, if we're to grab our faith and we're to, to, to protect ourselves with it, we're to take it up and go up with it and cause it to grow, how do we grow our faith? That's the biggest question here. Right? In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Romans 10, 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Just leave that on the screen for a minute. 
that consequently faith comes from hearing the message, from hearing the word of God, from hearing the word of God explained, hearing the word of God um, broken apart and broken down so that we can grab a hold of it, so that we can comprehend it, so that we can apply it in our lives. And when we take the word of God and we begin to apply it in our life, our faith begins to grow. Somebody asked, somebody asked Smith, Smith Wigglesworth one time, they said, how is it that you have such great faith? And he says, it starts with a seed, and it grows. And then it grows a little bit more, and I feed it a little bit more, and I feed it a little bit more, and I feed it a little bit more. Before long, then I have an entire field of faith growing in my life. He goes, but it starts as a little. Paul writes in Church of Rome, he says that God has given every man... This isn't in my notes. He says that God has given every man a measure of faith. Everybody, everybody starts at some level with some level of faith. But it's like anything else. It's up to you to grow it. You can push it aside. You can push it aside and not grow it. Or you can grab a hold of it and begin to grow it. So I've been, as most of you know, I work out. And... I started like this new workout routine like a month ago or so. It includes these things called deadlifts. Anybody know what a deadlift is? Right. Okay. So if you're not familiar with a deadlift, it's like you put two weights on a bar and you bend down like this and you put as much weight on that bar as you can and then you just pull up. Okay. You've probably seen all kinds of goofy videos where people do that and it goes horribly wrong and whatever. And you know what? You know what happened like the first time I started doing that? The muscles in my lower back, between the part of my body that I sit on <laughs> and the gluteus maximus, that, and, and, the lowers, and the muscles in my lower back, like after about five reps, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm done. I think I've broke my back. And the person I was working out with was like, no, you're good. Just keep going. It's just the muscles. You don't, use, you don't usually use those muscles that much. I'm like, no, that's baloney. My back is broke. You know, like I cannot hardly walk. And they're like, he's like, no, 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 keep going. And, and so I kept doing it. And I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And, I, and then we, I went in one day, and he, I said, well, what's the workout for today? And he goes, we've got five sets of 20 reps of deadlifts. Okay, if you're doing the math, that's 100 deadlifts. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. He goes, oh, just at medium weight, though. <laughs> right? And I came home, and I had to, like, do one of these to lift my leg up over the bath to get in the shower. But I can tell you that yesterday when my wife's like, well, get, like, three cases of water and then put them in the cart. I grabbed three cases of water like I didn't even, like it was like no big deal. Like I was like. <laughs> now I want to tell you that I did all 100 deadlifts and that said I didn't. I only did 85. Like my back was like, you're done. But I can tell you that that muscle, the more I use it and the more weight I put on it and the more pressure I put on it, the stronger it gets. It doesn't get stronger if you just sit there and don't use it. Faith is the same way. You have to have something in your life that you're believing for, that you're praying for, that you're seeking God's face on, and you're researching Scripture for, and you're memorizing the Scripture. And as you do all of this, you are growing your faith muscle. 
that first the Bible verse is hard to memorize. At first it's difficult to pray because I sound weird when I pray out loud. And I don't want to pray out loud in front of people. That's just, I sound weird. That is part of growing that faith muscle and growing it and lifting it up and using it and making it stronger. But Paul tells us that your faith comes by hearing the message and hearing the word of God. This is why we're involved in church. This is why if you sit outside of church, your faith muscle will grow weaker. We all know people that have stopped coming to church and you watch their faith just begin to shrink. Because why? Because they're not working their faith muscle. They're not working it. They're not raising that shield up. They're not growing it. Right? And so that what do they do? They allow the things of the world to begin to dominate their thought life, dominate their conversations, dominate their relationships. The world influences them in social media and it influences them in how they feel and what they think because they're not surrounded by people. And we'll talk about this in a little bit. They're not in church surrounding themselves with other people who are all working on their faith muscle. Your ability to stand in faith is directly tied to your involvement with the Bible, hands down. Paul wrote that in Romans. We read it. Your ability to stand in faith is directly tied to your involvement with the Bible. Now, when we stop and think about a shield, right, what's a, predominantly a shield is used to defend, right, to stop arrows, bullets, whatever, whatever that shield is being used for, it's designed to stop things. And the Romans had three shields. Um, the whole series of this book is, or the whole series that I'm preaching is based out of Dress to Kill by Rick Renner. And he says in the book they had two types of shields. He's wrong. They had three. Um, but that's okay. Doesn't matter, right? Like two, three, whatever. Point is, what Paul's writing about is he's talking about one specific type of shield. They had three shields. One was for those soldiers that rode horseback, and those foot soldiers would never use the shield for horseback. They had another shield that was round. Sometimes you'll see a Roman soldier with a round shield, right, and some design on the front. That was simply for show and for parades, okay? That round shield, they would use it occasionally, but that was mostly for parades and look at me. The shield that the foot soldiers would use, and the one that Paul is specifically talking about, typically went from the top of the head down to the ground and covered the entire body, all right? And this shield was made of leather, and it was usually it was leather or various hides from different animals, and it was usually about six layers thick. So depending on the thickness of the hide and the thickness of the leather, then it, would, it could get pretty thick. Um, and so just, just to show you a little bit, I brought... In case you don't know, like I've started leather working and knife making. So I brought scrap leather and I brought, this is what six layers of leather looks like. This is about the thickness. Now, this is just, do you want to hold that? I mean, you can hold that. I think Ben, Ben, I can hold this. I can hold this and I can talk. No, I'm not. All right, it's not actually. It's not heavy. It's not like deadlifting at all, Ben. I saw you up here shaking your head when I talked about deadlifting. You're like, yeah. Yeah, no, this is not like deadlifting at all. So this is about the thickness of six layers of leather, okay? And I just, I just, because pastors just, listen, any pastor who's worth his weight in gold studies like nobody else. In fact, they're probably the one of the most studied, most educated people in the community. They should be if they're doing their job right. So anyway, I'm just saying if they're doing their job right, okay? 
so I was studying this, and what, what, does this, what does this stop, right? What will this stop? Six, actually four layers of this leather will stop a nine millimeter if it's weighted down with water or oil. Um, it takes 41 of these to stop a full metal jacket out of a Desert Eagle. And those of you that have weapons know what I'm talking about. A Desert Eagle with a full metal jacket round, it'll take about 41 of these to stop it. So how, now think about this. Now they didn't have nine millimeters back in the Roman days, right? They had spears and arrows and stuff. So how effective do you think these six layers are against just an arrow? Pretty effective. Keep in mind though that it's not going to be just the leather. They might have a thin a layer of brass or a very thin layer of some sort of metal. Um, they might have some sort of paint on the leather, some dye on the leather that's going to strengthen it. So this is very formidable even by today's standards. Very formidable by today's standards. And it's this little bit's not heavy. Now if I had one that would cover my whole body, it might be a little heavier. But when you stop and you think about when you stop and you think about that, Paul says, this is your faith. This is your faith. And this is what stops things from coming at you, penetrating towards you. Now, if I leave this leather alone, now keep in mind that most of the Roman Empire, a large portion of the Roman Empire was desert, right? And what do you have in the desert? You have extreme heat during the day and extreme cold at night. If the, if the heat doesn't kill you during the day, the cold will freeze you out at night. And if I take the leather and I just leave it in extreme heat, and then it goes to extreme cold, it messes with the leather. It makes it brittle. It makes it, you can't use it. it wear, the weather wears on it, and so on. Extremes in life will wear on your faith. If your life is going from one extreme to the next extreme, and you're just emotionally here and then emotionally there, and you're just, everything's extreme all the time, it's going to wear on your faith. Paul even said that we are surrounded by Christians who are like ships tossed around by the waves. That, well, this is the wave and the momentum of this thing, and now I'm going to go over here and I'm going to go to do this. And then I'm over here. And Paul says, listen, this is going to wear on your faith. The extremes, will pers the extremes all the time will persistently wear on your faith and wear you down, wear you out. This is why soldiers had to take care of their shields. A shield wasn't something that a Roman soldier would just, okay, I've been commissioned, they handed me my shield, I'm going to set it over here until I need it. They, they would never do that. Never do that. They would take their shield, they take their, you and I take our faith, and every day they would go to the depot, to the military depot in their town or wherever, and they would get their, they would get their vial of oil. And usually most Roman soldiers had a, had a slave boy or some sort of slave or something that followed them around and handled and managed their equipment and managed their armor. And what they would do is, I need a volunteer, because I can't hold the mic and do this, so I need a volunteer. Ben, come on up, Ben. Good job, Ben. All right. So, Ben, go back there and grab that black bottle. And, yeah, that, yes. Okay, that's oil, so be careful with that. So what they would do is they would take, go ahead and just get a little bit of oil on there. What they would do every day, a Roman soldier would get a little bit of oil every day, and they would rub down the outside of their shield with that oil. 
And what that leather does is it begins to absorb the oil, and it makes it stronger, and it makes it more resistant to, that's good, dude. That's good. You're going to have, like, oil all over it. It's good. Well, I'm not shooting anybody or nothing, so, <laughs> right? So you notice the difference in the color of the leather, right? It changes, it changes the leather, and it makes it more durable. Why? It makes it more durable against the sand and the wind and the cold and the heat. And they would do this every, thanks, man. That's cool. Good job. Give him a round of applause. What happens, the oil gets in the leather, and it makes it more durable so that it lasts longer. And they would oil down their shields every single day. Who can tell me what oil represents in Scripture? The Holy Spirit, right? So if you're taking notes, like I know like more than half of you are right now, just write, write these verses down. 1 Samuel 16, 13. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Zechariah. 4, 1 through 6, Matthew 25, 1 through 3, Galatians 5, 16. Ah, oh, slow down. All right, okay, Zechariah 4, 1 through 6, Matthew 25, 1 through 3, Matthew 25, 1 through 3, and Galatians 5, 16. That's just the tip of the iceberg for oil representing the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. What's this tell me? This tells me that if my faith is going to work and be effective and be maintained well, it needs doused in the Holy Spirit. It needs to be covered in the Holy Spirit every day. Every day I need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit so that I can go out there into the world and do battle with the world because the extremes of the world are going to wear on my faith. And unless every day I have the Holy Spirit touching my faith, anointing my faith and doing things, my faith is going to get dry and crusty and stale, and it's not going to be any good to me or to anybody else around me. And I'll talk about why my faith isn't good for anybody else around me in a few minutes as we get closer to the end, right? So without a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, faith grows brittle, leaving you vulnerable on the battlefield of life. You have to have, your faith has to be rubbed down every day in the oil of the Holy Spirit. Through prayer, through worship, through scripture reading, it's got to be oiled down. We don't get it. We think, oh, I pick up my faith and I defend. The people in Ephesus, when Paul wrote this, they would have understood, oh, oh, I, I know, because I see, I go walk down the street and I see soldiers every day just oiling down their shields, oiling down their shields right, equipping their shields. And if you're trying to uh, type that out, just take a picture of it. It's quicker, right? Every day you have to oil down your faith with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. Holy Spirit, come and make me new. Holy Spirit, come into my life and fill me again. Do it again. Do it. Why, why do you think we sing do it again? It's because I need more of the Holy Spirit again. I've talked about this a lot, that we think that when we get saved and we get the Holy Spirit, that we have the Holy Spirit and then that's it, right? Like, it's as if, okay, well, I handcuffed the Holy Spirit to myself, so I've got all the Holy Spirit I need. No, the Bible constantly refers to the Holy Spirit as oil, as liquid, as... It, it, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as all these various things that what? 
keep getting poured out and keep getting used. Well, this morning I went to grab the, I went to grab a gallon of milk out of the fridge, and somebody left it with like just enough milk to not do anything with. Right? And now I need more milk. Why? Because it's all been poured out. Just because you have the Holy Spirit in your life at salvation doesn't mean you don't need more of it. He's with you, but you've got to have more. You've got to fill up with more of the Holy Spirit. Because why? Because it just, he just gets rubbed out sometimes out of our lives. Right? Not to the point of that we lose our salvation, but to the point of that, sometimes I just need to be refreshed. Your faith has to be refreshed every day in the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, when he says, pick up the shield of faith, this is what's going through their minds. Ah, I saw the Roman soldier. I saw the slave boy of the soldier rubbing down the oil all over the shield. It makes sense now. I get it. The oil is the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, here's the other thing. They also used to use... Ben, you're just the lucky guy today. Just go to the bathroom and wet that down. It doesn't have to be soaking. Don't get it dripping. Just get it wet, like with water. Yeah. Take it to the bathroom. Just use water. That was really awkward, wasn't it? All right. Anyway, so things you never want to hear your pastor say. So as he takes that, Right, and, he, and he's going to get that wet. The other thing that they would do is they would then wipe their shields down, depending on the battle they were going into. They would wipe their shields down with water. Right? That's awesome. Thanks, man. Look at that. Right? And so they would take the water, and you're like, oil and water doesn't mix. But when you introduce leather to this situation, the leather bonds them together pulls them together. The leather will, and so they would rub it, rub it down with water, okay? And I'm going to show you, I'm going to take one of these dry pieces here because that oil is still. So what happens when you get, what happens when you take fire? You want to hold this? You want to hold the mic? Why don't you hold the mic? Ben, come on up. Just hold the mic like that. Very good. Don't move. All right. So what happens when you take fire and leather? Right? It, it burns. You smell that? You smell? Smells kind of good, actually. It's man smell. We should make a cologne out of that. Burnt leather. Who wants that? That's, that's very romantic, isn't it, ladies? Right? What, it burns. If I take that and I get it wet, what do you think begins to happen to it? Then when I introduce fire to it. It repels it. It doesn't, is that even burnt? It's not even burnt. So what happens? What are you doing? What are you, is this, oh, okay. All right, get out of here. Thanks, man. <laughs> All right. Then what they would do, depending on the war they were going to fight, they would soak, after their, after their shields had been soaked in oil, they would then come back and they would water them down. They would water them down. In fact, Ephesians 5.26 tells us this. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Leave that up there for a minute. Paul's talking about the role of a husband. The role of a husband is to, is to 
cleanse his wife with the washing of the water of the word. He references the word of God as water. Now you're like, husbands, how do I do that? That's simple. You just, you do a devotion. You read a Bible verse together. You pray together before you go to bed or pray together in the morning. You just, husbands, your job is to bring the word of God to your wife. That's how you, that cleansing, the water, the word of God washes a family clean. And so here he references the word of God, the word of God as water. And so if your, if your faith is getting watered down with scripture and it's wet, then in the second part of this verse, what does he say? He says, your shield can repel what? Flaming arrows. This is the difference between leather that's dry, it smells very manly, and leather that's wet. It doesn't burn, or it takes a whole lot more for that to burn than if it's, than if it's just dry, if it's just there, if it's not watered down. It's able to extinguish, Paul says, go uh, put, put Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 back up there. It's able to quench what? Extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. So that when the enemy begins to accuse you, well, you're this and you're that and blah, 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 and they'll never blah, 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 you can go, no, I'm not taking it. Because by faith, I believe my kids are saved. By faith, I believe I've got more income. By faith, I believe I'm healed. By faith, I don't have to accept that because I have this shield of faith that's been watered every day. It's been oiled down in the Holy, with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's been worked over, and with the Word of God, it's been worked over, and I don't have to accept this. I don't have to accept all of the flaming arrows and all of the worries and all the anxieties and all of the fears and all of the rage and all of the anger the devil tries to throw at me. I don't have to take it because I know where I stand. Why? Because I've got three-inch spikes in these shoes called peace, and I've got my shield of faith, and I'm standing here, and the shield covers me from the ground to the top of my head. You're not getting to me. That's what the shield of faith was. Right? That's what the shield of faith did. Let's talk about flaming arrows. How many of you, just a show of hands, how many, when, I, when it says flaming arrows, you think of an arrow that's flying through the air and the tip's on fire? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. I just, I thought, okay, just to if y'all make y'all feel better, I thought the same thing. And then I started studying it, and I'm like, that's not what that is. They used, they did use those. But those were like after the fact. Okay, so let's just go through three types of arrows that the Roman soldiers used and three types of arrows that they faced. The first arrow is just that. It's an arrow. Okay? The second type of arrow was what we would think of as a flaming arrow, right? Like you see Robin Hood run by and shoot fiery arrows into the hay, and then the whole town's gone in five seconds. All but the stone structure, right? That's it. That's like, woohoo! Right? That's, we think that's a flaming arrow. Then there was a third type of arrow. And it really, really, this is what Paul's referencing. Because a shield that's got the combination of oil and water in it will resist this third type of arrow. Um, I can't, I'm not going to pronounce this Greek guy's name, but uh, Thucydides, I think that's what it is. Thucydides, I don't know, whatever. 
Okay, they had funny names. He actually wrote about these types of arrows. They were bombs. They were actually bombs. They were arrow grenades. And what they would do is they would take an, they'd take an arrow shaft, and they would hollow it out. And they'd create compartments in it. And they would put chemicals in the shaft so that when the arrow hit, the compartments in the shaft would break, and the, you would have a chemical reaction with small pieces of shrapnel or whatever, and then the arrow would explode. And the gas and the chemi- not ga- not gas, but the actual liquid chemicals in the arrow shaft, when it hit and exploded, those chemicals were flammable. So they would lob hundreds of thousands of these, just and they would explode, boom, 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 boom. And it was like an explosion with shrapnel. And then behind a thousand of those arrows came 500 arrows with flaming tips. Now keep in mind, you're now, your, your house, your city wall, your soldiers are all now caked in this flammable, flammable stuff that's in the shaft of these arrows, okay? It's all the, not only have they exploded, but now you're covered in chemical. And now here come 500 arrows that are on fire. And it just incinerates everything. This is what Paul's talking about. So when he says that the enemy's flaming arrows, the Greek word there really doesn't mean flaming. It means explosive. Paul's referencing these arrows that are bombs like grenades. And they're coming at you and they're going to explode with shrapnel and and liquid. And then when the liquid's all over your shield or all over your uniform, here come more arrows that are actually flaming arrows like fire. And they're going to hit you. And because you can't get the chemical off of you fast enough, your whole platoon is just going to be incinerated. I don't mean to create Vietnam flashback, but like Agent Orange, right? Like just, it just begins to incinerate everything. This is what Paul's referencing. He says, and if you have a shield of faith, the bomb arrows that are coming at you won't get on you. They'll be on your shield. And if your shield is wetted down with the water of the word, how much more difficult is it for the enemy's words and his temptations to get at you if you're soaked in the word of God. It's nearly impossible, right? That it might burn, but it won't burn. The chemical will burn, but your shield won't burn because it's so wet. This is what Paul's referencing for us, that if we get into the word and soak our life and soak our family and all of these things, that as long then as we stay behind the shield of faith, we're protected against all of this mess that the enemy is lobbing at us. But the minute that we step out from behind our shield of faith, and I don't need God, and I don't need that, and I can do things myself, you are left vulnerable to the enemy's exploding arrows coming at you. And you will burn. Your life will burn, and things will, you won't be able to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. And so what we are to do is to take the shield of faith maintained by the Holy Spirit and soaked with the word, lift it to protect yourself against the deception arrow bombs of the enemy. This is what Paul's really saying. That we're to take our shield of faith that's soaked in the word, filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit, so that when these arrow bombs come at us, we can withstand the enemy. But that requires us every single day filling ourselves with the Holy Spirit, saying, Holy Spirit, fill me up again this morning. i got to go out into that world. Holy Spirit, 
I need more of you today. I need to worship you, and I need to invite your presence into my life, and I need to soak up, I need to soak up the word, the written word of God, and I need it to be like ingrained in my brain, right? Now, remember I kept talking about coming to church and strengthening in our faith together and growing together. I'm going to, this is my last point on the shield of faith. A Roman soldier's shield had hinges on the edges. They would have hinges on each side. And what they would do when they would march, a legion, a Roman legion was about 6,000 troops. They could hook their shields together and create a wall. So the hinge on my shield matched the hit, the right side of my shield had hinges for the left side of your shield, and we could connect them. Now, if it's from, if it's from ground to height, guess what I can do? And I've got 6,000 of these things. I can create a wall. I could create an entire, I could create nearly an entire building if I wanted to, like that. I could create a defensive structure. I could create a roof. I could create walls. I could create anything I needed to because they were all designed to latch together. So that when we come together as Christians and put our faith together, we are nearly an immovable, unstoppable force marching forward. Because you can lift your shield up. I can lift my shield forward. They can put their shield from behind, and we can just march. But if I'm out here by myself with just my shield, then I'm much more vulnerable. Does that make sense? This is why we come together. This is why we link our faith together, that we come together in our faith and encourage one another in our faith and support one another in our faith so that I'm, I'm relying on you, that you've taken care of your shield of faith and that you've oiled it down with the Holy Spirit, that you've washed it with water, you're re waiting, making sure that I've done the same thing so that when we go out to battle and go out into that world, I can pick up the phone and call you and our shields are linked. I can text you and our shields are linked by faith. That we can move forward and we can fight the battle. Otherwise, we're left here stuck by ourselves. Does that make sense? So when Paul says, pick up the shield of faith, this is what's going through their mind. Oh, I need to oil it down with the whole, I need to be, I need to be, more, each day I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Each day I need to water myself down in, in the word. I need to water myself down with faith because I know that there are arrow bombs coming and then right behind those are coming arrows that are on fire at me. That's why I need to be surrounded if I have enough people around. Because what happens if my shield's right here but an arrow bomb hits right here? And gets the side of my body, right? And then another one comes in with fire and... <laughs> but if I've got people on my right and on my left, even if there's just four of us, right? Right, left, and back, we're protected. We're protected. This is the importance of biblical Christian community and working together. We can defend one another. We can support one another. We can protect one another. You can't defend and support and protect one another if you don't know each other. This is why watching online, I, just, I was just talking to a friend this week who said, yeah, we started watching online and our faith isn't the same. It's not. If you view church as something to check off and just, well, I went to church, I did it, then watch online. But if you view church as who you are, 
then what, who you are will breed what you do, and so you will go do church rather than sit church. Because why? Because what I do comes out of who I am. And I am the ecclesia, I am the church, and so because I am the church, I go do church. I don't sit in my pajamas and watch it from home while I eat in Rice Krispies. It's the truth. It tells me you really don't see yourself as the church, you just see church as something to do. Well, I did my good deed, and I'm a Christian because I saw church this week. No, you are the church. Every time you look in the mirror, church. Every time you see a brother or sister in Christ, church. This is why Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Two or three what? Virtually gathered? No. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, physically, I'm there. Right? This is why we come together and we get to know one another. We link our shields of faith together and we move forward. I could get into all kinds of science behind what happens to your body chemically and at the molecular level when you sit next to another human. It shifts, it shifts cells in your body. It changes cells. In your, did you know that your emotions, the chemicals your, brain's re, the chemicals your brain releases, I'll just tap the surface here so you understand how serious I am. When your brain releases chemicals, whether it be uh, dopamine or serotonin or whatever it is your body releases, as it goes through the bloodstream, it actually begins to change the molecular structure and vibration of the cells in your skin. And someone can literally feel whether you're happy or whether you're sad. You ever walk up to somebody, you haven't even talked to them, but you can just tell they're happy or sad? Scientists believe that this is because those chemicals change the way your cells vibrate on the surface level, and that vibration literally carries for 10 feet. Seven to 10 feet. So when you get next to somebody, you can sense that. I can't sense that through a screen. I can't sense that on a text or on a phone call. This is why when Jesus says, come together, I can say, hey, something's wrong with my brother. I need to make sure he's okay. I need to talk to him. I need to, con I need to connect with him and make sure he's okay or make sure she's okay. There's literally science behind this. Jesus probably knew it in his God brain, right? When he said, get together, link your shields. This is what Paul's talking about. Come together, link your faith, and move forward and fight. So that when things aren't going good, you pick up the phone and you call somebody and you can link your faith up together. You can go have dinner and link your faith up together. There's all sorts of things that we can do with our shield of faith to protect and guide and march forward as a body, as a, as a body of believers. Let's stand up. This morning, I want to encourage you that it, maybe your faith is weak. Maybe, you're, maybe you feel like your faith is small. Maybe you feel like your faith is not where it should be. I want to encourage you to spend some extra time in prayer. Spend some extra time in worship at home. Spend some extra time in your word to grow your faith. Pick up the phone. This is why we pick up the phone and go out to eat or have people over and hang out together as Christians because it grows our faith. We connect our shields of faith and we can know, hey, I know so-and-so, but I'm too busy. 
Well, Jesus didn't say if you were too busy. He said do it. And that should just be your priority, right? Is just do it. And so I just want to encourage you as we get ready to sing, as we get ready to lift up and glorify God, I want to encourage you to take this time and think about your own life. Is your, is your shield of faith hard and brittle because of you've not been taking care of it? Or is it ready to go to war, ready to fight? Amen? God, we just thank you in this place for who you are, Lord. We praise you, God, that our miracle is going to come, Father. We wait in expectation for what you are going to do. We thank you, God, that you love us, Lord. I thank you that you're, the miracle is on the way today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Hey, I just want to say something real quick. I know Easter's coming up. We're believing this place is going to be packed. Uh, we're going to use this door, come in that way and this way. Listen, nobody, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so between now and Easter, I think we as a church need to go out there and be the church. I think we need to go out there and love on people, whether that's opening the door for them, whether that's buying their meal at the restaurant and just saying, hey, I don't know, but that table over there, I'm buying their meal, or whatever it is, go out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus between now and Easter, because then that makes it easier, right? That opens the door then for you to be able to invite them to church, amen? Amen. Go out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus this week. Amen. Amen.